and welcome to A Nightmare on Fear Street, a monstrous podcast about all things horror. If you like what you hear today, then you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can also rate and review us on Apple iTunes. All right. Today, we're talking about Black Box with Dr. Teddy Alexis Rodriguez. So, Teddy, tell us, uh, what's your favorite scary movie? Hey, hey. Um, my favorite scary movie... You know, the ones that I've seen the most is the Friday the 13th saga. And it be, it's because I have like a kind of cute story. The first time I was babysat by myself, because I, ha- I have a twin sister. So being babysat by myself was like a big deal, like being separated by my twin. And my grandma decided that she wanted to see that movie with me. And I was eight years old. <laughs> so it really, let's just say it was a life-changing experience. <laughs> <laughs> so I was obsessed with those movies and I watched all of them, all of them, all of them. So I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's the one that I, the one saga that I follow until like pretty much crash and burn the many times it did. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's one of my favorites. I like, I like Shyamalan, which I know Sharae hates, but yeah. I really like him. <laughs> I like a plot (laughs) twist that I can predict. I'm like really happy with that. Yeah. (laughs) By the way, like his new series on Apple Plus is so good. It's called Servant. It's 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 really 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 good. Um, But yeah, sure. You can sip sip your wine. Sip your wine. (laughs) Ray and I have many differences on who we like and who we don't like. So yeah, that's okay. I just. I won't even do that on this podcast again. Oh, <laughs> I've made those I'll thoughts known about him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Teddy, tell the audience, tell the listeners where they can find you on social media if they want to get in touch or follow you or get in, get to know you a little bit more. So, um, all of my stuff is in my website, which is teddyrodriguez.com. <laughs> Snap. But if you are only on certain social medias, my handles are Teddy Alexis, and I'm on all. Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. So, awesome. and I post all the time sassy stuff when people <laughs> are being racist, you know. Uh, have a <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty much every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's get down into some general thoughts on the film uh, Black Box, which is an Amazon Prime original. So, Teddy, take us away. Yeah. So, I, I like this movie just the fact that it's a black movie and it's not about and I think Sherry is going to talk about this but it's not about racism it's not about slavery and it doesn't have any on those thematics at all it's just a movie that exists in this genre and there's black people in it wow <laughs> no. so it's cool because not only the writer and director are black also the cast which is rare because sometimes we do see these all black movies and then you go into the directing and the writing and it's all white so that's important because and this is something that i do is i analyze by the numbers so according to the ucla hollywood diversity report um last year report which is a 2020 but that looks at the year before so this is 2019 um only 14.9 percent of roles were black which tracks with the representation of the census of black people however i always say that when that matches on representation that's a bare minimum i always advocate for equitable representation meaning that we have the same amount 
of all types of people represented equally, as opposed to minorities have the smaller number and all the stuff like that. Um, just because even though you're a minority, you are a whole person. Um, in terms of uh, the directing, we only have 5.5% Black directors that year on the report. And then for writers, it goes down to 5.2%. So already we see the trend that I said, it's like, you see it on the, on the film, but that doesn't necessarily reflect as the backstage, which is actually bigger, a bigger um, amount of people than the actual people that are on set. Um, right. So that's important. So this dude, this is his first um, feature film. And it's incredible that somebody has their first feature film as a black dark-skinned man to be a studio movie. Because usually what happens is for BIPOC people is that we have to have like three or four movies independently made, pay by ourselves, and then somebody picks them up. Like the all press is like, oh, this is a good movie. And then it gets bought out and then we might get movie studio. So this dude actually did a couple of short films which I, which I saw and they're, they're really cute. And I don't know if this is really his voice because all his short films are more like love and uh, thematics like that, not necessarily horror or psychological drama. But um, he did that one, the, his last short film got picked up by new filmmakers, won, and then he got into the DGA program, which is really hard to get into that program. And uh, um, then eventually got this, this deal with Amazon. And he's represented by CAA, which is the top agency. So that means that he's set. He's, he's good, guys. Like, he, we will see more stuff from him. Because anything that is top tier is through CAA, which is the top Hollywood agency. So we'll see more about Emmanuel. I want to get in two points because that was a lot of info. Mm -hmm. One oh, is no. yes, 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 because it is hard to find things created by Black people. When we were putting together mm -hmm. this month of creators, not Jordan Peele, it became an issue because it was almost always white people wrote it, white people directed it, and that's why it's yeah. not hollow. There was somebody mm -hmm. with it, Sheree or I would be like, oh, what about that movie? Oh, no, that's white. Jordan Peele. Oh, what about that movie? Yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. And that's a problem because we see the, the one person that gets in and then they call them from everything. And it, it's our job when we get in to say, no, there's more people behind me. Let's bring them in. Yes. So. Yes, RuPaul. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I also wanted to weigh in because you said that his themes were normally love. But I feel like at the at the if we like dig deep enough into this monster as i'll call her the monster uh -huh. Uh -huh. um she is driven by some sort of level of love even if it is selfish and twisted and dark so maybe hey okay. we'll some stuff in and i mm -hmm. think his love for his daughter is what brought him in the end spoiler alert <laughs> it's what brought him wow five minutes in i know <laughs> <laughs> like that's the love that like pulled him through it. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. So, however, this is not his script. So the script was a part of the development deal, and uh, I think what I read about him is that they kind of show him a couple scripts, and he picked that one to develop. Even though he's the uh, listed as the first one, it's not really his script. He rewrote it and basically um, was something that existed before. Yeah. 
That's yeah. shady. No, no, not a bad way. That's normal. That's actually that's super normal. It's not not, not a bad thing. Okay. Then. Those, those <laughs> are the, I look up like who the writers are of the films. The, the the director is also listed as like maybe one or two other people. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, one of my general thoughts on Black Box is that mm -hmm. I like seeing mm -hmm. black people in sci-fi. Imagine that. Um, <laughs> as someone who grew up on the Twilight Zone and the Outer Limits and all these other things where I never got to see black people, specifically mm -hmm. black women. <laughs> um, this was wild to just see all these black people living their best sci-fi life. They're lawyers and doctors. There was not mm -hmm. a monologue about how they overcame hardship to get there. They're just are. Mm -hmm. um, living their best wealthy lives. Like there was yeah. no struggling. There was yeah. no, how am I gonna feed this child? <laughs> it was just like, yeah. I was a photographer and something happened. My best yeah, friend that, 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 that house was huge. Yeah, like I, I wonder what she did. <laughs> the house was huge. And the girl, like she's ordering on uh, um, yeah. food on that restaurant. And so we know that like, I, I have the struggle. Like I don't order stuff in restaurants. Like I was like, she already knows the phone. She's ordering stuff. I'm like, they have money. That little girl was smart. It gets into my notes about the movie, but that little girl was very, <laughs> she, I felt like she was nine going on 22. <laughs> right? Right? I thought one of the strongest plot devices that the film uses is that it drops you as a viewer right into the middle of the rising action. Like, the, the, we don't see the wreck. We never really even meet the wife. The rising, the, the so the point of attack has already happened before mm -hmm. the movie starts, and I think that that really helps kind of drive the tension and drive the the movement of this film and make it like because it started going up and then it never it never lost me if that makes sense like the tension never like because some movies you'll you'll be going up and then it'll be like a boring 10, 15 minutes and then it'll start going up again but this one I, I was always kind of questioning what's going on what's happening and it never lost me. And I think that's why. Yeah. And the performance of um, Mamondo, is that his name? I think so. So nuanced, so incredible, so detailed, where you could see where uh, an actor that is not as skilled as him, it could be just like hit a plateau. And like, he was just giving you enough to really grab in into what his journey was. It's like this man that doesn't really know who he is, struggling to get back to it. So I appreciated that a lot. You also had a general thought that I didn't know. I should have seen it coming, <laughs> but I didn't know. Oh, the KPCC review. So this is the thing. I listened to KPCC Film Week because it's pretty much the reviews that get here in LA. And it could really, I wouldn't say make or break in terms of box office, but in terms of critical um, claim, it just starts right there. And the lady that was reviewing it, I don't know if she was a BIPOC, she didn't sound like one, wink, wink. <laughs> but she said that the movie was trying too hard to be get out, which, first of all, can we just unpack how racist that comment is? Because it's not even thematically the same. a movie that is equivalent. So why does it have to be the one successful? Like, it's just was so wrong and... I agree with the, the, her other points, but when she said that, it was just so incredible to me. So still, when we see a Black person that is successful, we need to compare it to the other one Black person, even if it has nothing to do with what they're doing. And I thought that was um, really messed up right. when I was looking up at the reviews for, for, for this movie. Was her name Karen? <laughs> 
think her middle name was. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, because it, it has not, it's like comparing it to Get Out is just, is, is like compare, you could compare it to any, an episode of The Twilight Zone. You could compare it to a, a number of things that I guess kind of has ties, but like, no, I thought like this had, had its very distinct thematic vision. Especially because, as we all know, Get Out deals with racism, so it was like a lot of white people. And this had like maybe two white people. One was the girl's teacher, and I'm saying one might have been at the sushi restaurant. But like, mm-hmm. so how, how those? I I want to see Karen's credentials. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's borrowed the what, the critics. Um, I, I forgot what the association is, but she's part of the like elite critics that they only have like one Latinx. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember those numbers that came out? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. We don't leave. They don't let brown people in. We're super. Yeah, that's what elite means. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that is that on the Webster? Is that on the Webster like that? It is. Yeah. Okay, okay. Webster's dictionary. Elite. I believe you. I believe you. I believe you. All right, let's get down into our specific notes about Black Box. So this is the thing about, these are like the, the, the cons that I have from the script, is that love Ava, love her as a character. However, there was something about her that didn't feel authentic. And I'm going to tell you why. This girl is so um, great about you know, helping her dad get back into the, his feet. She's very perceptive about like what he needs. Like, you need to do this. You need to smile. You need to go talk to her this way. However, she doesn't realize that that's, spoiler alert, that that's not her dad. And I will, and things are, kids are so perceptive. And I'm sure you don't like kids, but me having interacted with a lot of kids, they're super per- 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 perceptive. They know when you're sad. They, they know everything like just off the bat. So I thought that that didn't ring authentic to me. Uh, what do you guys think? I, I'm actually wondering if she didn't pick up on that because whoever, probably the best friend of the father, told her that he's coming back with like weird amnesia, so he's not going to know things. And so she was mm-hmm. like, this is what they said was going to be. Yeah, I, I think I agree with Sheree, but I think that that could have been cleared up with like a, one line of dialogue. You know, like a moment where you see him say... You know, just remember, he's not going to be the same that he mm-hmm. was. Just to piggyback off of that note, sure. I thought a little. I this whole month, <laughs> I feel like I keep having the same notes. These child <laughs> actors are like, she was incredible. Like that little girl deserves all the awards. <laughs> I also have a note for Amanda Christine, who plays Ava in this movie. <laughs> um, my note is that she delivers as far as child actors go, but she also is another example, which I pointed out this month of episodes before, of how we put young Black girls in these situations where they have to be the adult. Because granted, mm-hmm. they don't have family or friends other than the best friend, but nobody was like, we should help this little girl who's figuring out how to like navigate her father and his illness because he stepped back. Whereas like, she's fine. She's a black girl. She can take it. <laughs> this is, and this is my second point. So thank you for, for giving me a leeway. Where is the family? This is when the script kind of like, it didn't, it wasn't as, as authentically black to me because we are so uh, generational people that it feels very strange to me that this man just lost his wife. There's no grandma around. There's no aunties. There's no cousins. 
from both of the sides, I can understand like one loner, but these are the two loners in like the whole town that happened to be black. They got married, had this girl, and then one of them passed and nobody helps them except for the, be the best friend, bro. Yeah. Also, how you only have one friend when you're that age. Mm -hmm. The wife had no friends. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there was like no friends. But to me, the family is like the biggest one. It's like, yeah. if my sister, let's just, just say, like if somebody in my family passes and I know they're like with one kid, like I will offer to help them. At least it seems like he was just out of the accident you know so it was like really immediate nobody's helping them like just like hey little girl good luck <laughs> that's an interesting point teddy because mm -hmm. i also thought it was recent but also like the guy who was in him has been gone for two years and so i don't know how long he's been in this new person so that's third point that's the problem with kind of like the science of it and um, i'm gonna lose everybody so please bear with me <laughs> they say that she had an EEG which is not a, a thing that has the data of your brain it just has like the if you have any movement electronically she says that that's the data for his brain and she's been saving it for two years and that's she transmitted it to his brain because he's brain dead which is a medical term and your brain dead you there's no coming back but those two things are wrong about the the script and I wish they would have just say different stuff because I know there's a pension of belief and all that stuff, but they would should have just used on other terms too because the theory is that she downloaded his brain and then because he his brain was like wiped out because he died, quote unquote, it was transmitted to his brain. Yeah, I feel like they were trying to be too specific with that. Like they could have just said, I downloaded his consciousness and like we would have went with you. We yeah. didn't need, like this specific medical term or this specific. We get that she's a doctor. We don't like. I think sometimes people, um, writers and directors, will try to spoon feed the audience when they don't need to, mm -hmm. and then go too far with that sometimes. But I don't blame the writer. I blame Amazon because they should have a medical consultant do that. They have money. <laughs> That's true. They got lots of money. Jeff Bezos. Because I can write whatever I want. Then I, I bring a consultant and they, they yes. like the, the writers for the science um, um, show, the, the, the physics one with uh, Shelton in. What's the name of that show? Oh, Big Bang Theory. Yeah. yeah. So Big Bang Theory, they will write the whole script and then they will have physics consultants come in and then fix the science. That's how they did that. It wasn't like yeah. they hire a physicist no. to write jokes. Like it no. wasn't like that. I kept waiting for them to hire a feminist, but they never did. No, they were not available. Nobody was available. Because women don't <laughs> do science because we can't read and all that jazz. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> But while we're talking about Love women that. in science and this doctor played by the Felicia Rashad, did she pull mm. a double Frankenstein? And is she aiming for a trilogy? Because she raised a monster, then <laughs> she resurrected a monster. And then the last time we see her, she's building a monster. And mm -hmm. I was like, is this the Frankenstein trilogy Mary Shelley never gave us? <laughs> yeah, no, I... Felicia Rashad, I love that woman. She is such a good actress, um, even though I hated her character in this film. Like, she was definitely the villain, but she did. She made that villain look fierce. I love her. 
because she's so famous, I knew she was involved. So <laughs> that's how I got some of it up top. I was like, she's too famous to just be here for being a doctor. I saw it at the beginning. Like when I saw her eyes, like she's so um, kind of delicate with her performance. And like she was doing a little something. And I'm like, you're the bad one. You're <laughs> the bad one. <laughs> yeah. I, I like the whole the whole double Frankenstein thing. I think that's a, that's a, that's cool and yeah. I mean, we have like so many sequels of things that we don't need. And we let's have a box bus too. Why not? He's still there. <laughs> He's still in the box. <laughs> yeah. Funny to me is like she knew that his anger issues were so because he went from zero to psycho in. Like, not a second, but, like, a millisecond. Like, he's like, oh, honey, the baby. And then he's like, where are my pictures? Excuse me? Give her a second. <laughs> yeah, you've been dead for two years. Yeah. Yeah, you're looking like somebody else up in my house. She's trying to get something else going, baby. <laughs> still trying to be the good guy because we know about the good guys so he's like mm -hmm. i'm a good guy i'm a good father a good husband and he's like threatening them the reason he died is because he had kicked his child in the head in the stairwell and the mother shoved him like it wasn't like he died on accident thinking a christmas tree or some shit mm -hmm. <laughs> he was literally like living mm -hmm. his worst life and so he's like how why are you not worshiping me why don't you miss me anymore and it's like nobody misses the person who's taking their ass they just don't. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. Which is interesting that you say that because they do vilify him. A, well, he's a bad guy, but then he has, they try to have like good qualities. And then at the end, he does the right thing, which is, you know, leave, uh, what's, Thomas is his name. What's the other guy's name? Nolan. Yeah. Nolan. He leaves Nolan. So is that out of character, you think? Like to do that at the end? I feel like this fool has been broken for so long because his mother, mm -hmm. again, raised him to be this monster and enabled him so much to where she kept his consciences knowing he's a monster. And so I feel like when <laughs> his wife accidentally kills him and then has to clock him when he comes back from the dead, he's mm -hmm. like, oh shit, maybe, maybe they are better off without me. And maybe this girl who actually has a father that actually likes her and doesn't beat her up, <laughs> maybe they deserve a chance. And I think seeing seeing Nolan when when he finally realizes that the creepy thing in the dream or not in the dream but in the alternate reality or in his mind is actually Nolan and Nolan's not actually dead, I think that that kind of changes him a little bit too. But yeah, I don't think he gets. Mm -mm. There's not a redemption here. <laughs> no, just, I, it felt more like he didn't want to also be a colonizer on top of everything else he's been doing by taking his body. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I'm gonna discover this body, right? <laughs> right. I discovered it. <laughs> I discover it. Now it's mine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go discover my neighbor's house, and then it's mine. Get out. Right? <laughs> I I also appreciated this because usually it's the whole the house wasn't haunted, but the people we followed were haunting the people in the house. The second was the body, and I felt like that was freakier than the others could ever. And those sort of movies. <laughs> because it's like we have the most unreliable narrator because he don't know who he is he don't know he doesn't trust himself how we don't know he don't yeah. know how how the hell are we supposed to love him when he don't know who he is to love himself and so yeah. it's very convoluted 
Um, Which is also why I thought uh, Felicia was the bad girl, the bad person, because when he comes back and he's like all freaked out the first time, she laughs. Remember that? She's like, what do you see? She's, he's like, I don't know. Like there was like, he's like, ha ha ha. I'm like, yo, that was some dark shit. And he was so <laughs> subtle too. Like her laugh was like really subtle. I'm like, Mm-mm. I don't trust her. Mm-mm. I don't trust her. Mm-mm. And she was too available. No doctor is like, oh, you want to do a session? Let's do it right now. I'm like, mm. they, never, they never talked about payment either, which is how I knew something fishy was happening. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know he's gonna get that bill later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was her last order of business. They like escorted her out. <laughs> it was like that, all these thousands of dollars. <laughs> that was the second movie, the yes. horror. Oh my Did god. You have that is HBO or an HMO, because depending on what your answer is, it's gonna be real bad. <laughs> well, technically he doesn't have anything. He lost his job, remember? <laughs> That's so sad. The sequel gonna be a lawsuit because she's gonna sue him for that money and they're gonna let her because she's a doctor. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but maybe now he can get his job back because the reason he didn't get it was because his pictures didn't have the same perspective or like style because he wasn't himself. But now that he is himself, maybe he can get it back. Fingers crossed. Can we talk about Dr. Gary for a little bit, please? <laughs> I said I could talk about him all day long. Oh my God, <laughs> me too. <laughs> long term, long term. <laughs> so this character, first of all, very good looking. Can I talk about that I met him before? Is that something that we Did you touch him? <laughs> <laughs> I shook his hand. I shook his hand. So I did an episode of NCIS, the regular one, on se- season 17. And he was booked. I was the murder victim, and he was booked as one of the suspects. Mm-hmm. And we didn't get to be on set together, but we got to do the photo call together, which is where... And CISS is so big that they do one day where everybody takes their pictures because, you know, there's driver's license and all that stuff. They have like a mini DMV where you get to get your fake NCIS picture taken for your license. It's ridiculous. (laughs) So that's where I met him. And yeah, that's that's a good looking man. But that character though, smart, sweet, has everything going on for him. I love that. We rarely get to see a black man that is like that and doesn't have like any marriage issues, no drugs. And the fact that he was like genuinely just there for his friend and his friend's daughter, like more so, like you said, more so than any of their extended families. Yeah. Especially because we never get to see black male friendships in the media unless they're gangbangers and shooting mm-hmm. each other. Whenever we see them just have any Yeah, or being toxic masculinity where like they egg each other to do bad shit. Like that's what we see. But however, I have to give him a note though. Why did you leave your man, your man just go by himself when he's clearly having a mental health breakdown? When he just drops his daughter and he's like all crying, he's like, I need to figure some shit out. Okay, yeah, go home. What? And he's a doctor. Yeah. I'm tired of doctors letting their like wives and best friends go have these episodes and they're just like, mm-hmm. well, they wanted to be alone. <laughs> yeah. Like my doctor. <laughs> like the, the Spanish movie. Like the Spanish movie yeah. we saw together. Oh, the orphanage. The orphanage. She's like, I want to stay here three days. Oh yeah. You're crazy right now. You cannot stay by yourself. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> 
Yeah, that husband needed. We we discussed that because like that was a choice, which is almost word for by word what happened in Black Boss. Mm -hmm. This guy comes, just rolls in, does one like a Yui. Basically, he's like <laughs> drops the daughter, and he's like, "I need a couple days, man." And he's like, "You don't look good. It's okay." And he just leaves, no follow up. <laughs> like we <laughs> like, come on. Didn't even put her in the house. Didn't even no. put her in the house. He pulled her up in and the was like, sidewalk. "Get your suitcase. Get in yeah. the car." And she's like, "Dad," and he's like, "I gotta be alone." <laughs> oh, but that moment after she gets out of the car and he drives off and he looks at his hand and sees that she wrote, "Don't forget me," I was like, oh, "That wrecked me too." It wrecked, wrecked. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna be so mad if at the end, like he just was dead and this little girl was left alone. I was gonna lie. <laughs> Sheree's like, I can't relate, can't no, relate. No, I do wonder if that's one of the moments because this girl meets this man in her father's body when this man doesn't know who he is. So he doesn't have all of the baggage that made him the monster he is. So mm -hmm. he's got a fresh start in this man. <laughs> and so I wonder if that's part of the reason he might have done the right thing towards the end because he has this window of who he could have mm -hmm. been if his mother hadn't raised him to be what he was. Yeah, mom. definitely that relationship had to have an effect on him because she really nurtured him. Yeah, and that's the voice he hears crying for her daddy when he's beating her father <laughs> in their mental brain space. I We need vocabulary for everything that happened so I can stop saying he was in him and mental brain space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I refer to those things as something else. Yes, definitely. <laughs> So bring my social life to this podcast, please. <laughs> right. What black box were you watching, Jeray? Because I need to go. <laughs> need a playlist. That's all I need. Mean. Same actors. Same actors. <laughs> yes. Definitely. But, um, <laughs> so I just wanted, because we kind of talked about this earlier, how good, um, what was his name? The guy that plays Nolan? The main Mamundo? guy? What was it? It's Mamundo. Mamundo. Let me pull it up and not be that guy that is like mispronouncing people's name. I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, but the, the subtlety and the specific choices he made between when he thought he was Nolan and when he figured out who he was, like his, his speech pattern changed, the, the way that he spoke changed, the way that he moved changed, the way that his eyes looked changed, which I don't know how the hell he did that. Let me know, please. <laughs> but it was all very subtle and specific, and it was his performance. If they actually gave awards to horror films, which they don't, mm -hmm. his performance deserves <laughs> all of them. Yeah, he's not the 70s anymore. Ma his, his name is Mamudo Afi. Mamuda. And what I like about him in general is, apart from his masterful performance, he's not a 10% body fat, chisel modeled that we turn into an actor. He's legit, like, just like a common looking man. Um, he's not like, doesn't have like the perfect body or anything like that. And he's in a lead in a, in a, in a movie. And that's, that's great because that's what we need. We need people that look like us. I get Agreed. off my soapbox. <laughs> and is he single? Please let me know. <laughs> Please. Oh no, put that memo out. I, so I think the reason I didn't figure out what Fel Felicia Rashad's motives were is because mm -hmm. I never suspected the mother. 
And that's one of the things I like about this movie is because I'm like, she did something for a reason, but what's the reason? And I mm-hmm. went through everything before I was like, oh, she could just be a mom. <laughs> and I think that, again, because we're all talking about how we bring our own baggage and our own viewpoints to things. I think that's just me not liking children. And so never registering that some people who've made that choice might use that as a motive in a horror movie. And I think it's part of the reason people have not given this the credit it deserves is because at the end of the day, it's a movie about a mother who tried to bring her child back from the dead. Um, and that's just not spicy unless it's Pet Cemetery and Stephen King wrote it. And it's about a man and his son. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. it's, very, it's very Mrs. Voorhees of her. Right? But yeah. nobody wants the conversation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So it's almost like it's a biases and not a biases at the same time for you. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, she did it and I'm hearing that she did whatever she did, but it wasn't like, could it be because familial ties? I was like, did he owe her money? Were they having an affair? What? I went through everything that made no sense. (laughs) And then they were like the simplest one, which was right in front of you. And I was like, oh, I didn't. Yeah. Always, it's always those ones that'll get you. So the moment at the end, towards, yeah, that's pretty much at the end. When, because in the beginning of the film, she says, when he's uh, braiding her hair, uh, she says, you always used to do it much tighter. And then at the end of the movie, when he says, oh, your braids aren't tight or something like that, I can't remember what the exact line is. I was was like, almost in tears. I was like, this is so beautiful. (laughs) They wrote that just for you. (laughs) <laughs> they said we tortured this man throughout this whole movie. Let's kind of like, they're like, if he hasn't cried yet, this is the one. <laughs> when he actually, we see like that's when we see the bedroom, the big bedroom, and that's a again huge house. What does she do? Because a freelance photographer with a mansion. But yeah, that's that's a good that's a good tie in into saying like this is this is really me now. Yeah. I like that a lot. It's nice, like, it, was, it wasn't like, let me hit you over the head with this frying pan that this man is, wasn't who he is, and now he's back to who he is. But it was a nice, it was a nice subtle way to do that. And, and, to, and to reestablish this relationship between father and daughter, which like, mm-hmm. you, like what you were all talking about between the friends, a lot of the times when black men are portrayed in movies, they're, they're, not, they're not good fathers or they're, uh, you know, abusive or their uh, neglect. Absent. Absent. That's, that's what I was looking for. Uh, <laughs> but he was not, and you can even tell, like, looking at the pictures of the like them throughout in the house or whatever, that he was very much involved in his daughter's life and to have the relationship between father and daughter and not be like father and son or mother and daughter. Yeah, I really like that as well. Do we see a lot of father-daughter combos? I feel like we don't. Especially with black people, no. Yeah. Um, oh, with black people, nothing that is healthy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never, never. No. Like the '90s had like a big boom of like older white men who had daughters who were getting married or having kids, and it was always mm. them treating them sort of like property still. And that was the joke: is that what are your intentions with my daughter? Because I own her, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm glad we stopped making those. We haven't really since then. And I think in part it's because those purity balls became mainstream and we're like, separate all these people. Don't give them anything. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. Great point. My last note, this, this is kind of a, a set dressing a scenic note that I, th- that I had a, a thought of. I really like the speci- specificity of the pictures 
between Nolan's house with his wife and daughter, which were all very positive and happy. And then when you went to Thomas's apartment and at first the pictures are all very, you know, the, the mother and daughter are smiling or whatever. And then he, when he's looking back at the older old pictures in his mind, he find which we kind of we might have should talk about this when we were talking about his motive to leave. I think he finally realizes how much trauma and hurt he put on his wife and daughter by looking at those pictures because you can see he's smiling at every single picture and they are not. His wife and daughter, or his wife specifically, mm-hmm. are not smiling in any of them. So I thought that was a really interesting, nice, um, specific uh, point to dress the set and make kind of the pictures of the past situation tell us how to motivate the future. Yeah. the I couldn't see very well whenever we went into his mind because they made it blurry in a, in a, in a purpose, which kind of didn't help. However, I could see the shapes of the faces and I'm good about that. And I like I knew that was not his family. And I think that's what helped me kind of figure out stuff early on. And that, that, that's definitely an art design. I wouldn't say issue, but aspect. I wouldn't say issue because I really, in general, it seems like I'm not liking this movie and I really like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> We're analyzing it, people. We're analyzing it. Um, but I really, I really like this movie. Um, but some of the stuff was like a blurry and the faces. And I, I could figure out what the mood was. It was just very pointed, which is one of the critiques that the KPCC people had, like the movie was shot way too uh, traditionally, as opposed to having like a more, um, I don't know, like a shaky camera and all, all the stuff that is like not more, not a little less traditional. However, I think that because Emmanuel is in this position where he, this is pretty much his presentation card for future stuff as a, a, you can make like 27 short films until you do your feature film, you're pretty much not a level of anybody. So I think that that it was important for him to see, to show I can shot a movie traditionally, even if the, the the theme and the genre is not a traditional you know drama. So I I also just appreciated the mind place <laughs> time because it it helped me figure out what was going on just enough. Like I knew he was clearly fighting himself because he was dressed like himself even if the body mm-hmm. was bent backwards and giving us some exorcism vibes. Um, <laughs> and like, I knew this was not his wedding because his wedding didn't feel like what I picked up from the family. And he, then he couldn't see the faces. And His house was too big for that wedding. <laughs> right, right. I was like, your wedding was at Buckingham Palace. Don't you lie to me. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, also, I also love that and give kudos to those special effects and whatnot people. What do you think about the actual, when we're talking about design, the art design, what do you think about the actual black box? It felt like, very in, in 90s. It felt very 90s Outer Limits episode um, <laughs> that they like rolled out and dusted off. And I was like, well, they had to afford Felicia Rashad. So that might be why they had to like kind of put it somewhere. <laughs> you knew they blew their budget in there. You knew yeah. they did. When she walked out, I was like, that's half your budget. <laughs> <laughs> I actually hope her, I actually know, I hope her rate is actually what she deserves and not what I've been hearing about Black actresses because that's like one of the things that gets talked a lot, how like Jessica Chastain and Octavia Spencer kind of like came up at the same time, went for the same Oscar, Octavia Spencer won and they don't have the same uh, 
right? Which is, mm-hmm. so I, I hope that she's at the level that she deserves because of her career and her experience and how amazing she is. Um, let's hope that. I know in my soul, she's not. Like, even if you look at like Debbie Allen, who's her sister, if you look at Debbie Allen's resume, Debbie Allen ends up producing a lot of the things she's in. And I think it's so she can like get some of the back end to make up for what they're mm-hmm. not paying her, which is why I'd be curious to see if we dig far enough if Felicia's a producer somehow, some way, if for Black Box. I can check. The, uh, what I know, I don't know what the budget is because it's not, it's not on IMBD Pro because I can check on the back end what like some of the numbers are. That's why I was like sharing so much with you guys. But I didn't see um, a budget or numbers or anything because now the streamers hide their numbers. So we don't really know. Yeah. Plus it's Amazon, so they have all the money. So like, why would they even tell us how much? No, it's Kisses, what? right? They have all the, literally right? they have all the money. The sky is the limit for them and no one else. What? Well, Netflix yeah. has a cap, which my Netflix is like, cancel Sensei tonight. <laughs> they want to fly where? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, by the way, I was listening to an interview with, it's kind of unrelated, but related, with um, George Clooney. You know how George Clooney, like, uh, produces his own stuff? And uh, he was saying that he was struggling because the studios, every time he wanted to produce something, they wouldn't like his budget because it was too little. Because the budget for, like, a big movie should start at $40 million. And he's like, well, I don't really use that much money. I'm like, I'm, at best, I use 17 million. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right now? He could pay his actors more. How about that? Because I'm- Yeah, I'm, I'm, are you kidding me right now? When like, I'm struggling to do, like raise 10K for like a movie. <laughs> like, right? <laughs> now, if you're gifted 40 million, raise people's salaries. Because I'm sure your cameraman has been underpaid for how many decades? The PAs um, and like right? the extras. Look. Don't have unpaid interns. Look. I being an extra in many things and sometimes it's ridiculous the amount of money that they pay you and like now they pay more for your COVID test than a day rate for an extra like that's messed up you're like here's a hundred dollars for the day oh and your COVID test 150 so you value more my COVID test than my actual work great (laughs) everything is awful but yeah. Oh, the Bloomhouse stuff, but that's the, for the for the closing, I think. Yeah. All right. So, like, my last note, which is it sort of contradicts my original point because, but also, I don't know. We all bring our own baggage and viewpoints and experiences, and so I I love that this had no trauma. There was no trauma on screen for any of the black folks, but also I couldn't help but think about all the black mothers who've lost sons because they happen to be black in America while watching her. And I think it's why I couldn't persecute her the way I wanted to. Did anybody else feel that way? Was that just a me thing? I didn't blame her for um, doing what she did to Nolan. Because I, I, I honestly think she thought he was dead. He was brain dead. He, yeah, I think she thought, okay, this is like a donor. Like, I, just like if you were do- donating heart or a whatever. Um, so I don't blame her for that kind of gets into my hot take <laughs> but yeah no uh, for mourning her son and, do, and going above and beyond to like essentially bring him back to life I don't I don't falter for that however I agree with you 100% however she does have a point where she knows that he's in there and she is the one pushing for him to like get rid of him get rid of him so um, That's true. but nobody's perfect 
You know, straight to your point, every time I see dark skin is something that really does makes me think about how bad we have it here, especially when we talk about the darker you are, it's a totally different experience. And, uh, um, you know, it, it makes me sad in a way that I always think about what could have been if these people were given a, an equal opportunity, same, you know, treatment and everything like that. So I do always kind of like, I have like that thorn in my heart where like, I, I think about that and uh, the many, many, many black men that have died um, unjustly and just because on a whim, somebody just decided that they were a threat just because they're beautiful black skin. So. Yeah, I do think about that. And yeah. I don't even know how to verbalize it 100%, as you can tell. But <laughs> same, because yeah. I was watching Felicia Rashad, and like it's not, it's not in the script, it's not blatantly in the script, but mm -hmm. it's something I picked up on in her performance because I'm I'm I've not Googled her in a while, but I'm sure she's a mother and she has grandkids. And so mm -hmm. I'm sure that this is a concern she has as a black woman. And so maybe she brings that into her performance, or maybe it's something just because of my own experiences <laughs> um, and just no. surviving these last few decades. I don't know. But it was it was an unspoken thing that was there for me, which yeah. is why I can't. Cause I wouldn't be like, oh no, she's wild. She's put her away. But instead I'm just like, I, I don't like her means, but I also am wondering, <laughs> especially yeah. because like for everything that he was, she managed to get him to that point where he was a doctor. He had a family. He seemed to be in his like thirties, which is like a very old age for most black men in this country. And so I could see that being another issue with her being like, I, he's just gone. I can fix this. I have to fix this. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's also like, I think it's sort of how ancestral trauma works because it's something that is there and you cannot, you feel it, it's really real to you, but you cannot verbalize it in a logical way because it's just part of your being and, and it heavies on you because all of these things that, don't happen to you or your family it's part of your ancestry and what is in your culture and all of those things are heavy so yeah yeah and i i i think that we've spent a lot of time praising a lot of the actors in this movie but i think we i think the reason we're having this conversation and it's so kind of in this gray area for us is because of felicia rashad's performance because she i mean you're constantly reminded that yes, she did this bad thing with Nolan, which really, if Nolan had actually been dead, like if his spirit was not in that body, would we feel differently? I I might, right. you know, it's still kind of ooky, but like I don't know. But she, but, you, but she, you're constantly reminded that she has lost a son, and whether or not whatever that son did to his girlfriend or his wife and daughter, it's still her son. You know what I mean? And she and her performance is so multi-layered that. I think that's why we're able to have these this conversation because she could have easily played her as the evil Frankenstein doctor and like <laughs> you know, but she didn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, such a nuanced performance. Yeah. yeah, which is another reason we need to give women, especially Black women, more jobs because how often have we seen Frankenstein and it's been so? Is this Wednesday's meatloaf? 
And it's not their fault. It's just, <laughs> it's just white right. men doing the same damn thing forever. And so there's nothing else to do there. But when you add these layers and this relationship, because again, I didn't clock it as this is his mother. I was like, what did she do? What is her motive? <laughs> I think that when you add women there, it changes things and there's different dynamics and you can have different motives and it gives it nuance and layers that we don't get when we watch this five white guys do this. Yeah. Amen. All right. Let's get down to our hot takes. I'm going to start with mine just because it kind of piggybacks off of Sheree's last point because it's about the relationship and her kind of mother's obsession with her son. I found it not the it wasn't the point that she like brought him back to life that I found creepy. It was the part where she seemed at the very end when she was like, "No, you need to be back here. You need to be the man that you're that you're supposed to be, and the doctor you're supposed to be." And the it felt creepy to me because it felt like all the conversations that people have with their children, where they're trying to like force them to be something that they're just not. So I don't know. I found that kind of ooky in my opinion. It felt it felt like a toxic masculinity trait that a woman was trying to pass to a man, which I, I don't know, felt weird to me, but that's my hobby. <laughs> I need lots of parents pull that shit with kids, which is why oh. so many of us are damaged. So I, <laughs> that's more like a toxic parent trait. Look. <laughs> there you go. That's a, a, a toxic parent trait. There you go. I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> go for it, Teddy. <laughs> so I, my hope take is that I know you said that you're, we're doing the Bloomhouse stuff here in the, the podcast and how this one is the better one. And I think they definitely went right when they picked Emmanuel Osei Kufor as a writer-director for this because his voice is so clear and he's been ready to do his first feature film. And it's just so beautifully shot too. We didn't get to talk about that a lot, but it really is because... Um, one of the things that happens when we cast Black people and there's no Black people involved in the other is that their skin looks weird, they're shot wrong, and sometimes they look blue or yellow. It's like because the people that are working, they don't know what they're doing. And if you see that melanin is popping all the time in this film at all frames. They look beautiful. They look creamy. They don't look crazy. So that's part of what his job was. And if you want to see a cool movie from him, you do look at Born With It, which is his short film. It's on YouTube and I think in Vimeo too. It's that 15 minute film that he did right before that got him pretty much to do this movie. So you can really see stuff that he's done because he's one to watch. And I'm looking forward to see what his next projects are. I'm excited. Yeah. Now, I also appreciate it that the Black people look healthy, which is not something we get on most television shows. <laughs> but my hot take is, again, this is my favorite of the Bloomhouse four that dropped on Prime last year. The second of the four for me was Evil Eye. And the other two were painfully, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they centered white people again. And they also retold stories that we've seen forever and ever and ever in a boring and dry, slow way. Um, so I think that this shouldn't even be considered a hot take coming from me at this point, but let black and brown people tell more stories. Um, literally, if you watch all four of these movies, which I did because we had a break and we wanted to like check out new horror movies for the season, this and Evil Eye rose to the top. Like Nocturne and The Lie were there. Um, <laughs> I won't go back for them. I don't need to talk about them. <laughs> it's, they, they happened. 
Um, and it's not those actors' fault. It's not those directors' fault. It's just that I, I know I am tired of seeing the same story about suburbanite white people who are giving me the same thing I saw as a child how many times? There's no nuance there anymore. Leave it, <laughs> leave it. Yeah. You know, that was promoted as their um, diversity conglomerate, those four movies, just so you know. Yeah, yeah they were, yeah, they were. <laughs> um, because I went in like, oh yeah, because I did Evil Eye first and I did this second. Like, oh yeah, they are getting it. And it's like, where'd all the brown people go? What happened? <laughs> we, we, we used everybody we knew in the first two movies and we were just like, oh well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and again, those actors, I'm fine with those actors. They've given me good stuff, but like we could have mixed it up. We didn't have to go all white for two movies because we like <laughs> snapped and had people we don't normally see in the other two. Like, it's fine. You can have brown people in all four of them and see how that feels. I, I urge them to try it out next time. Amen. <laughs> all right. So next week, we're going to be covering the new film, Promising Young Woman with Lindsay Partain. She's a playwright, so it's going to be a good time to talk about scripts with Lindsay. But that's going to kick off our month-long celebration of movies written and directed by fans. Because mm. this month, we did <laughs> movies written and directed by Black people who are not Jordan Peele. And next month, we're going to get <laughs> the ones written by women. Um, <laughs> I also want to make note that I'm seeing a trend that, that people who don't get all this financial support usually have to like write and direct and produce their own work. But I will save that for a different day. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Teddy, for joining us. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yay. <laughs> I, I love it to be in this. I love it really hard. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you were like our first follower on Anchor. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You're welcome. <laughs> you made us trendy. <laughs> You're also our first first time guest for twenty for our second season, so that's exciting. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do the math, and you're the second doctor we've had on here. True. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Now <laughs> I want to go back and add doctor to Eleanor's title. Now that I know, like, doctor is a touchy subject because. <laughs> read some things so now everybody gets a title i want to be like going back and editing that everybody's a doctor um we go yeah, back yeah. and it's like clearly like doctor yeah. right <laughs> i say it in an accent and a different octave um <laughs> before every time we throw it to her the room like, tom is different yeah, yeah. <laughs> doctor hey eleanor you see this doctor hey eleanor doctor oh. <laughs> this just <Uh-oh>. well <laughs> Yes, thank you, Teddy, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Make sure you stay fierce out there. Bye. Bye.